Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Tuberfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. All right. Ty, Vanessa, welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, I'm super excited that you are here. I think we're going to have a juicy conversation, mm-hmm. but I'd love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, what your mission is. Yeah. Yeah. So my name is Vanessa Haddock. I am the co-owner and the chief strategic officer for Premier Cruise Solutions. We are a full-service marketing agency anchored primarily in the wine industry, um, but in beverage in general. And really what our agency is about is full-service marketing, but we specialize in digital and social media marketing, marketing strategy, public relations, um, you know, and we have experience in not only the direct-to-consumer space, but also the three-tier distribution space, which is very specific to alcohol. Um, but we really do cover the gamut. We uh, we feel very strongly about marketing need to be a strategic and 360-degree approach. And that's really how we look at we look at everything. We service various uh, winery clients, predominantly here in Oregon's Willamette Valley, but we also have a few out of state and um, in today's world really can do so for any winery, any business in the world. Uh, as far as kind of our mission and what we stand for, um, we're very much committed to supporting the smaller, the family owned, the private wineries, those who often have such limited teams and resources um, that they can't always justify having a full-time marketing person, especially a marketing person that can provide guidance at that high strategic level and and overarching planning. Uh, So that's really kind of what got us to where we are and, and, and wanting to go after this. Um, prior to our company, I've been in the wine industry for about 15 years and I had worked in the corporate wine industry for about 10 years and worked for Sokol Blosser Winery, family owned, one of the originals here in Oregon for about four years uh, and just really saw the need, saw the need for what we could do and how we could help the industry kind of push the boundaries and, and grow and innovate. Yes, that's super exciting. And you and I met working in the wine industry when I was working there before and when we were both living in San Francisco. So it's so awesome that we're both now in the Willamette Valley, me being in Portland and just being able to kind of reconnect. I love that our paths have crossed again and we're both serving clients to really help them create that 360 view of their marketing strategy. And I love that you brought that up. I often find that so many people often isolate their marketing activities and they're not thinking about how they're all interconnected to all the other functionalities in the company. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to ask you maybe, maybe thinking about some of the clients that can't bring on full-time employees. I know a lot of listeners are entrepreneurs themselves. And so when you're kind of thinking about how do you maximize your marketing resources, you know, what do you think is one of the most challenging pieces when it comes to marketing someone's business and kind of what do you think might be one of the steps they can take when they're first starting to think about putting together this 360 strategy? 
Yeah, you know, I I think that um, something that still occurs today that has happened for as long as I've been in this industry and focus on digital and social media is that a lot of people consider it kind of a nice to have rather than a need to have. Um, It's something they'll quote get to or when they have time instead of being a core part of their messaging and marketing. And I, I don't say that expecting that every business owner or every company can be posting every day, all day long or anything, but really just looking at it as more of a, um, a secondary, uh, secondary vehicle rather than being core of what you're doing. Um, I'm a big fan of sitting down and actually strategizing anything in the digital and social media space. And, and when I say strategizing, I mean, even just defining as core to your being of your company's DNA you know, what are your core three to five topic areas or communication pillars that you want to be constantly sharing with um, potential clients or potential customers? I always, when approaching new social media strat, just really sit down and, and define what those three to five communication pillars are. Uh, and what that does is really not only make sure it's, you know, adhering to your brand and what you stand for and thus being strategic in your communications, but it actually can be really liberating from a content development standpoint. Uh, you know, even if you have a list of those five communication areas, you know, on your computer screen, and you're hitting a roadblock in what to talk about or what to post or what needs to be part of your plan, that can really help you uh, kind of generate those ideas and and have consistent communications out in those channels. Uh, that's definitely one thing. Um, but it's easier said than done. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they have clients and it's often the time and energy spent more on servicing clients and helping them build their communication streams than really focusing on your own. So for me, I personally make sure I allocate at least two hours, if not more per week to focusing on my business instead of uh, just always giving all of my time um, towards towards my clients' efforts, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I think that's so important. I love everything you just said. And I think that core messaging is so important because it really does act as an anchor that you can come back to and make all the decisions in your business when it comes to marketing and how you're communicating with current customers or potential customers. And I also preach a lot about having those core content pillars because it really does help take that I don't know, unknown of what do I even talk about? What do I do? What do I post about? And it really does help provide that direction where you can start to plan out a month ahead of time or six months ahead. If you know that you can kind of rotate through some of these topics as sort of the core of your messaging. And then of course you can add in other pieces as that comes up um, or if you have events or whatever's happening in between. But I think it does, like you said, takes away that overwhelm and just gives you a little bit of focus Um, And I love the idea of really carving out a couple hours to work on your own business. I think for the first few years of my business, I was totally guilty of just constantly being focused on clients. And then, you know, when you start to have clients cycle out or they move on or they bring it in house, like their own marketing, then I kind of found myself being like, wait a second, what do I stand for? And so carving out that time is definitely really important and you can do it as little as, you know, I say sometimes 15 minutes a day, if it's to go engage with your audience on Instagram or spending an hour just planning out your content for the next couple of weeks. Totally. Totally. It's, it's just so easy to, to lose sight of that. So it is, I definitely am talking about a lot. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Um, I think that's one of the things we definitely, um, 
line up on. And I think what you were saying earlier too about, you know, sometimes this is the task that falls to the bottom of the to-do list. And I think when we can make it a priority, it really does help drive so much more of our business. It's not just about what we're posting on social media, but that communication then blends out into any collateral or maybe your website copy or how you conduct a sales call. And so it just keeps the brand really cohesive and that messaging, which is so important. A hundred percent. I remember being at a conference many years ago and they talked about the concept of omni-channel marketing and, you know, considering your business or your product offering as a brick and mortar store. And the concept being that no matter which door you use to get into that store, whether it's the back door, the front door, the side door, that anyone that comes in that space should immediately know who your brand is, where they are, and what they're doing. So whether it's print collateral, whether it's your website, whether it's your social, just having that kind of cohesive plan is only going to help strengthen your brand and be consistent and thus be that much more recognizable. Yes. I love that visual of thinking about your business as a brick and mortar, even if you're not a brick and mortar, because it does kind of help make it more tactile and you're thinking about that customer experience, which is wonderful. So I guess when you're maybe potentially working with clients or maybe just looking at the market in general, what are some of the common mistakes that you see companies making in the digital space? You know, I think one that has been something that I've seen my entire career and still persists to this day is whether it's your company or you work within this function in a company is that oftentimes leadership or management who may not be as familiar with uh, this type of marketing or this type of strategy, all they care about is understanding how your actions and your activities and your time spent in this space is going to immediately and directly convert to sales or to revenue. And, you know, I, speaking for the wine industry, if, uh, you know, if, if I only looked at digital and social media as a way to generate revenue or to make money, then I've completely lost the point and the strategy of what the space can mm-hmm. be. Um, not to say there are not opportunities where it does make sense to, to ask for a sale or to, to, elicit some call to action. Um, But really this space more than anything is about building brand awareness. It's about building brand affinity and an emotional connection with your, your target customers, your current customers, having a two-way conversation and being able to tell your brand story and, you know, giving kind of what that um, it's a space that you can talk about it in a personal sense that can help you, really drive your point home. So people are establishing an an emotional connection with the brand. You know, there are going to be times where it makes sense to ask for the sale, but the second that you look at that as the only marker of success in social is the second you've missed the boat. And it's the second that um, customers tune out because you're now just an ad. Yes. Oh my God. I'm like applauding that. So, (laughs) so hard over here. I think it's so important to think about social, especially as that's part of the marketing strategy as a tool for conversation and relationship building, it's it's not just about making that sale. And absolutely, you can sell on social media, but I think it takes a really long time to build that initial foundation. And like you said, building that brand affinity and building that emotional connection. And then you can start to ask, you know, about going to the link in bio or subscribing to the email list or yeah, going through and buying a specific product because of the season. So I think it's so important for people to to create those relationships and that emotional connection. And I'm curious, maybe how do you help people reframe 
social media to be um, that relationship building tool? And how do you measure that success when someone is traditionally focused on, you know, these actions need to equal revenue? Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I go back to the communication pillars and by defining kind of what your core objectives are and thus how you're going to kind of communicate those, those communication streams um, out via social, it, you can even bake in one of those communication pillars as, as a sales lever if you want. Um, but really identifying what not only your brand stands for, but what your current customers already resonate with in terms of your brand and how your brand can differentiate themselves from everybody else. So, you know, there are kind of the standard in terms of behind the scenes and showing people what's happening, but then there's some clients that have something that's so unique to their DNA. Um, You know, for example, one of my clients, the winemaker and owner, he is an incredible writer and you read his, his writings and it's like he's talking from his soul and it's so unique and ownable and is such a strong attachment that his customers have when they read his writings that that's one of our five communication pillars is that, you know, he will be writing something every few weeks that we can, we can leverage in that space. Um, so it's understanding where you currently are, but also um, understanding kind of what your goals and your, your stretch target audience might be as well. Yes, I love that. And I think it's also just so important to keep in mind like what comes naturally for that person or um, for the people behind the brand. So if you're not a writer and you're forcing it, then that is going to come through in that writing and people might not get the value out of it that you wanted or someone else might be really, really good on video. And so that's kind of where they can focus their time and attention. And I think there's also been a lot of misconceptions with digital because all of us can literally be everywhere but to do it really well, it's to really focus on what comes naturally for you. Oh, a hundred percent. Because if it's, if it's um, fabricated, if it's forced, if your winemaker or your brand owner or whoever doesn't even like to use their smartphone, trying to force them to be part of your social media strategy and create content, is just a losing battle. Right. Um, I think one other, one other mistake that I see businesses doing is this concept of they have to post about everything no matter what, and they that they have to post in the moment no matter what. And those are two big policies for me. I um, The in the moment thing, sometimes if you are trying to make it at a point to post live time or uh, in the moment, then you're going to post subpar content. You're not going to have time to edit and refine and tweak your voice or your captions so that it, it does stay consistent with what you're trying to do. And there's no value that comes with that. There, there just really isn't. Um, I'd rather, you know, wait a day to have a perfect post that captures what I'm trying to say than feel like it has to be an immediate in the moment, especially with the algorithms of Facebook and, and Instagram. We know that there are native posts that pop up four days after they're posted. So in the moment doesn't matter anymore, personally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly speaking, you know, businesses or brands or people that feel that they have to post about everything no matter what. Um, if you don't have a good picture or a good video about what you're trying to talk about, don't post anything at all. I don't care if it's your the most important event of the year for you that just happened to be in some warehouse that had horrible lighting and the shadows were bad and you couldn't get a good picture. It doesn't matter. Don't post it. It doesn't do you any good to post subpar content. 
Yes. I love that. I think that's so important. And I do think people get caught up in the, well, we haven't posted for a week. So like, let's just post this or yeah, the lighting's not great, but we'll try and slap a filter on it. And I think it just kind of does more harm than it does good because people are used to a certain aesthetic. If you've been uh, building that and again, you know, making that emotional connection. And if you're thinking again about walking into a brick and mortar and all of a sudden, like the wallpaper is different, but it doesn't make sense with <laughs> what you buy in the store. Um, I think it's it can be a really jarring experience and it kind of, it's very disconnected for the followers. And I've definitely seen some brands do that where it's kind of like, I'm confused now, like what your core message is and why I should care about this. And so I do think people don't realize that posting the subpar content is doing more harm than it does does good because people are paying attention. Absolutely. And I think you just said a really, really important word, confused. Mm-hmm. The second you've confused your customers or the second that you've given them a reason to not understand immediately what you're trying to convey or what brand you're talking about, the second you, you're asking more of them than, than is realistic. Yes. Um, and I always say that confused customers don't buy. If people don't understand what it is they're buying into, if it be the emotional connection or the actual product features, just they won't buy. And I think when people are confused, they're going to go find something that makes sense and faster. So being clear and being, you know, integrity with the brand and your messaging is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one other, well, two other small mistakes that I would call out, um, small is probably the wrong word, but uh <laughs> There are so many free insights that you can gain from these tools, from Facebook to Instagram to Google Analytics. If you don't have Google Analytics installed on your brand website, you have to, um, because you get to see so much rich information about who follows you, who engages with your brand, where they live, how long they stay on the website for, what pages they visit most. And, And those insights are so valuable and so rich. Uh, that it's just missing a golden opportunity if people aren't paying attention to those tools. Again, offered for Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Google Analytics is such a powerful tool. And I think one of the Mm -hmm. things I have found with some clients is they get really intimidated by the platform. I think they've done a lot to make it a little bit more user-friendly. But I'm curious, like taking your example of, you know, how do we leverage a metric, like how long someone's spent on our website? And then how do we translate that into like, what's our next action step? Absolutely. Well, and, and first of all, you know, understanding where people are spending the most time on your website is often a really good positive indicator about what they care about most. If they're not spending a lot of time on your website, those are the things that I like to dig into. Is this a problem with the user experience? Is the website clunky? Is it slow to load? Are you pushing them to the website, promising them one thing or informing me about a certain event, but when they click, they're going to some unaffiliated page that has nothing to do with what you're, what you're talking about? Um, you know, I even, this might sound like overkill, but no matter, anytime I post, anytime I I'm doing anything with a URL or a link or a shortened link or whatever, you have to test it. You have to go and double check that it's functioning the way it should instead of just posting blindly and set it and forget it. Um, because if your call to action doesn't actually follow through, then you've completely, um, again, confused the consumer, but you've, you've missed that opportunity. 
Right. And just wasted a lot of time too. So yes, I'm always a big fan of clicking on everything. (laughs) On everything. Yeah. And you know, this, this isn't uh, one other issue that comes up a lot is I think in this space, people are quick to say, have the youngest person on staff work on it because they're going to be the most, you know, proficient in digital and social, and they know how to use these tools and this and that. And as, as true as that may be from a tool functionality standpoint, and as amazing as it always is to provide opportunities for green employees, make sure that the person you are empowering to oversee this knows what they're doing and knows how their efforts ladder up to the core marketing mission. Um, otherwise, it just turns into a tactical tool um, that feels more random than strategic and, and part of the overall message. So. Don't, don't just fall on the, give the phone to the youngest person on staff uh, policy. It's, it, it shows it that way. Yes. Oh my God. I've run into that so many times throughout my career. And um, I think actually I was that young person in my previous role. And while it was fun, I think the, the piece that's often missing there is that it's great if, yeah, the youngest person on staff or the business owner's like 15 year old son is all about social media. It's, that they don't have necessarily the big understanding of how business works and using social media as a business tool and not just being really good at posting on social media. It's kind of, again, how does it fit into the overall strategy and how do you learn to balance the content with the sales and answer questions and really build community around that core brand messaging versus just posting for the sake of posting? Absolutely. Because at that point, you're you're just pushing out content and you're really just focusing on marketing communications instead of marketing strategy or business marketing um, rather than just telling and sharing. Right. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to take a little bit of a, a COVID lens right now. I know obviously you work a lot with wineries who usually have tasting rooms that have had to shut down. Some are beginning to reopen and still having that customer experience, but I'm curious, as a lot of brands have had to shift online in 2020 and kind of create a whole new customer experience, what are you seeing that's working well online right now? And maybe maybe we can talk about some examples of people maybe not quite hitting the mark. Um, I'd love to kind of help guide people as we're all trying to navigate a much more of a virtual world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think in the beginning of COVID making its way to American shores, for a lot of wineries, uh, their knee-jerk reaction was go virtual and do Facebook Live and do Instagram Live and just get on there and be present and and figure it out as you go. Um, and while uh, I applaud the um, eagerness to pivot, there were there were a couple things that were I think a little frustrating from a marketer's perspective. Um, one being that these are things that we've been encouraging and trying to drive forward in our industry for a really long time from virtual tastings to you know digital marketing to e-commerce to focusing on social all of those things um we've been we've been beating that drum for a really long time and there has been a lot of hesitation there has been a lot of you know the same when we get to it or you know not interested so not going to proceed uh, so that when COVID did hit, their reactionary impact um, meant that those planned ideas couldn't actually be fully flushed out. They were just, they just happened. Um, so there were uh, there were some pretty <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable 
live things happening all across the industry. And, um, it was, it was some, some of them were kind of hard to watch. They were a little painful, uh, <laughs> uh, being disconnected from, you know, being there to talk about yourself and being aware of what people want to hear about and care about. So, um, that's one thing. And over the, the months, I think more and more wineries have gotten refined and, and figuring out a strategy there. I think where it's come to now in, in a more, uh, a more productive way is actually being intentional about what these types of experiences stand for. So everything from wineries who engage with some of their biggest fans and hold private tastings for them and five of their friends on Zoom and ship the wine to them in advance so they're all sharing it together. And I've seen that work really well for, for some wineries um, and help them kind of establish that direct connection. That's been really, really awesome. Um, I think also to take it away from companies and brands using it as a platform just to talk about themselves and more about a platform to, again, hear what their customers care about, to learn about their customers, to understand what makes their customers tick or to even gain insights into why their customers care about their brands. That's another really valuable thing that that comes here. Um, And then I think that long-term brands and companies and wineries and everything that are going to be better off are the ones that don't just look at this type of tool as a temporary way to deal with the COVID situation, but rather they're using this as the final catalyst they needed to prioritize this, to push this and to make this a part of their, their, their strategy going forward. Um, It's unfortunate for some that it took a pandemic for them to, to uh, get to the, get to the party, but they're here now. And those that are going to maintain investing time and, and money resources, them are going to, are going to see positive uh, impact for long haul, I believe. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I think, yeah, I remember my days in the wine industry and just that the perception of digital marketing was that it's so temporary and not mm-hmm. a value. So I think it's great to see some of the brands that are finally getting it and are like, wow, we can really use this just not only now, but moving forward. And I love the idea of being able to have like a private Zoom party with a winemaker and having the wine ahead of time with your friends. I think that's such a unique and personalized experience. And, and that's something that I can imagine customers talking about for for weeks and months after that and, and really building that brand affinity you were talking about Absolutely. earlier. And I think you used my favorite word, which is being intentional. And I think that's so important is that I remember seeing all the live notifications from all these wineries and I completely forgot that I was following some of them. And so I actually went through and unfollowed because it was just, there were some every single night and they were just talking about themselves and it was just, it's a lot. And I think it's so important when you make it about the other people, because again, social media is social. And so you do get to talk one-on-one with your customers and get to know them. And I know you were just saying that. And I wonder, like, how would you go about approaching, if you're doing a live, maybe you are like featuring a wine that you're tasting to educate people on, but what kind of questions could you start asking in that live setting to learn more about your customers or what they think about your brand without it feeling like, Hey, tell me what you love about the brand. Right. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, I think that it's, it's beneficial to allow those things to happen organically, but it also can be awkward if those things don't happen organically. So the times in which I've um, seen it be the most engaging with, with viewers or customers or people on Zooms, et cetera, um, is having kind of a, a rough framework of what you think you want to be focusing on or talking about or promoting or et cetera, speaking to during those sessions, but then also being flexible and um, knowing that as these conversations start, that you'll start to hear questions or commentary from your audience and being able to pivot even somewhat live time um, to answer what they seem to care most about. I also don't see any problem in proactively asking people what they want to talk about, what they care about, you know, whether it's something as simple as a Instagram poll and you say, what do you, what would you want to hear the most about in our upcoming live webinar and giving four options, you know, even just that, and, and don't be shy to ask people what they care about and what they, what they want to hear about. Um, I think it shows, it, it shows um, openness and it shows that you're listening and what it doesn't show is what I think some people fear is that somehow you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what to talk about. And so you're trying to rely on others. I don't think it's that at all. And that, that, that time's passed. And it's amazing when as a company, a brand, especially with people who already have an emotional connection and affinity with your brand, the second that you ask for their input and their opinion, they're going to answer. They're, they want to be a part of it. They want to provide ideas and share what they love most or most excited about, um, you know, versus an online forum where people like to just come in and troll and say negative things. These people already have some sort of connection with your brand. So trust them, rely on them, talk to them, see what they care about. Yes. And in my experience too, I found that people are very willing to answer those polls and want to be a part of it. And it almost gets them like invested in the brand. And I remember like in the early days of social media, people were like designing logos and they'd ask you to vote on them. And I remember one winery in particular, like I voted for the label and that was the one that they chose for the wine. And so then I remember being in the tasting room and while I really had nothing to do with the development of the wine or the label, it felt like I was a part of that decision-making process, which made me more excited to buy it and to taste it and to share it with others just because I answered a poll on social media but I felt so much more invested in the product. And I think there's still so many opportunities for brands to do that. And you don't have to have it all figured out. And ultimately you are crafting your service or your product for the customer. And so the more that you can get their opinion, the more you can really provide them exactly what it is that they want. Absolutely. And, you know, I think something that is really unique about COVID and has been a huge silver lining is that we're all figuring this out at the same time. Like none of us have been through this. And so being uh, willing to show humanity and to show your heart on your sleeve a bit as a brand uh, or as a business, like people have appetite for that right now. And rather than put in, putting on a farce of pretending that you know exactly what you're doing or that you have it all figured out, sharing that kind of that, that human element to it, people, people need that right now. People need to know that they're not the only one trying to figure this all out. That's okay. Like that's okay as a brand to be and to stand for. In fact, it's great. 
Yes. I, yes. It absolutely like humanizes the brand a little bit. And you're right. Like none of us have experienced this. We're all trying to figure it out day by day. And I, I think being able to kind of own that in the process, I think is important. And I know you and I have talked offline about COVID and when that came out and how brands were handling that. And it did feel like there was, again, this knee jerk reaction where people weren't being intentional. And then we got the flood of COVID emails and everyone was telling us their employees were washing their hands. And it was like, that's great. But as a customer, like, how do I continue to engage with your brand? And I, I think, again, it's just people have to kind of take that step back and be an in integrity of their brand. And sometimes that is just being very honest and like, hey, we don't have this figured out, but this is what we're going to do now. And we're going to circle back and we've done that. And I think yeah. there's so much power in that. And again, it keeps like communication simple, honest, transparent. And I think that does build that emotional connection because people are like, oh my God, I only know like to do this one thing. And I appreciate you being honest with me and I'm here for you in whatever way I can be. Absolutely. And and people are paying attention. And, you know, there's there's a couple elements I want to speak to. But one, yes, all the COVID emails that started coming through. I mean, there were emails I was getting from brands in every industry that I don't even remember signing up for their email list, or it's been 10 years since I even bought something from them, or they're in a different country that I used to live, you know, so it was just, it was very remind, reminding us of things we didn't even know were still there. And the amount of email lists that I unsubscribed from was out of this world. Um, it was just, it was, it was too often. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that also to secondarily people will remember how you handled this situation. And I don't mean that punitively. I mean that human element, that bearing your soul, that this is what we're trying to figure out in this situation. People not only establish an emotional connection with your brand as a result in the moment, but they'll remember that for years to come. They'll remember in the future how you handled this this situation. And that's that's going to help build in long-term brand loyalty, which is huge. Yes, absolutely. And that's, I think, where people also sometimes feel like fall a little bit short, especially with digital marketing, because it feels like everything's moving so fast, especially on social media with our feeds moving, that people forget that we're in this for the long term. Like we want to have our businesses for long term or we want to have a long standing career. And so it is thinking it's being able to show up for your customers on you know a weekly basis. But it's also about thinking, you know, how am I going to serve them eight or 10 years down the road? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd love to kind of talk about like thinking about like the winery or restaurant or food brands or companies in general, but thinking about you know, once we're past this COVID craziness, which one day we will be, but I'm curious mm -hmm. if you're seeing kind of any trends um, or ways that we're going to be leveraging kind of the virtual and digital worlds and what brands can maybe start to think about if they're trying to think, start planning again. I know it's been hard for all of us to, to plan in 2020 and there's been a lot of pivoting, but I'm just curious if you're starting to see brands thinking a little bit longer term and, and how they might be able to, to keep their eye on the digital space and how it's moving and changing and how we could really have those customer connections online. Yeah. And, you know, I think kind of to set a framework of how I want to answer that question. Um, I read an, an article specifically about the wine industry a couple of months back and 
Uh, it really kind of pointed out a lot of things that are super unique to the wine industry and uh, things that we've been able to rely on for so long that COVID is now just poking holes in left, right, and center. So the, the way they described it was, you know, for a very long time, wine industry specifically, for people to come experience your brand, your winery firsthand, to come to your tasting room, basically you're asking them to drive or fly to where you're located. They're going to be paying for accommodations. They're going to be paying to eat out to meals. They come to your tasting room and nine times out of 10, they're paying a tasting fee. Yes, probably reimbursed with a purchase, but still. All, they're doing all those things of their own volition for the opportunity to come try your product. And there aren't a ton of industries in this world where so much is expected of a customer or a potential customer or guest to get there. Um, and that's not realistic for a lot of people in our world, whether financially or, or where they are in their life or their work commitments, et cetera. And so that's a crack in the pavement in the industry that's been around for a long time. And COVID has just really exposed those shortcomings. You know, leading up to COVID, we've, we've talked about for years, how do we take the tasting room experience out to the people or outside our four walls in a way that we can actually be relevant and be present for all those people who may never be able to come out to wineries. And what I think is happening now with COVID and people figuring out as they go is that this new way is helping us get out to the people and take our tasting room experience and our um, tasting room experts uh, and being in people's living rooms and actually being a part of their life in a space they are. Sure, it's not the same as them being at the beautiful winery and seeing the vineyards and being doted on in a tasting room, but it also meets people where they already are instead of asking and requiring people to come to you. Yes, I love that. I think that's, I mean, it speaks to being able to be innovative and and thinking about how can you meet people where they are. And I mean, I think that was one of the challenges I came up against being managed some of like the urban tasting rooms that were in cities away from the vineyards is that the customer mindset didn't really feel like they were having the full experience unless they were looking at vineyards. And right. so I almost feel like there's a little bit of like customer education that's going to have to happen as well, because the expectation now has been set because we have asked customers to plan these vacations, you know, get the limo or whatever it is and to come have this glamorous day of wine tasting. And so we've almost like done ourselves a disservice in the industry because it's like, well, wait a second, <laughs> we did a really good job marketing this really luxurious experience. So now how do we shift and make it more of that at home setting? Absolutely. And, and I think another element that's unique in the wine industry is if you're looking at a tasting room as purely a sales opportunity or an opportunity for people to try your wine, and you're ignoring the fact that it's truly a branding exercise, it's truly immersing people in your brand more so than just being a profit center. If you're only looking at one way or the other, then there are some challenges at play too. Um, so, and, and why I bring that up is, is things like, you know, when you're trying to get into people's living rooms via Zoom or whatever, if you don't have content that's showing your property, that's like you in the vineyards, that's what it looks like, or, or helping them just really understand what that looks like, then you're going to miss that, that huge piece that people can only otherwise experience in person. Mm -hmm. Um, so content, it's good quality photography and videography and 
and getting dirty and, and showing the behind the scenes stuff that's going to be even more important going forward than it's been to date. Yes, I love that. I think that's that's so important. And yeah, the visual piece of it. And I think, again, it goes back to this, how do you create that that full customer experience? And then from like putting your yourself in the shoes of the customer, you're almost able to create that full 360 marketing strategy because you want to appeal to almost their, all their senses and, and make them feel connected to you as a brand, but also to the products. Absolutely. So I'd love to maybe look into the future a little bit. I know I get asked this question a lot about, you know, what's the next social media platform or what do we need to be thinking about? Um, And I'd be curious to know, like, do you see any specific trends coming up in the digital space or maybe even there's maybe platforms you wish existed that don't exist yet? Um, What do you think maybe is in store for the future of digital marketing? That is a huge question. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you have a glass, like the magic ball, right? That you can look into and, <laughs> and tell us all. You know, if it, a specific digital platform, I don't have an answer per se. I, I will be totally honest that I think there's starting to become a growing resentment towards Facebook. Um, you know, we've been seeing things that have been happening for a while in terms of, um, dollar spends and algorithms, but then also more recently in the last, you know, four to six months, let's be honest, three, four years, uh, just a lot more anger and divisiveness and, um, just a lot of negativity that exists in that space, as well as the prevalence of just people's opinions being spotted as fact. And so I think there, there's there's definitely a bit of a fatigue that's happening with Facebook. Um, I think it's a huge part as to why Instagram is so amazingly popular and adopted now and how many people are on Instagram but not Facebook because it truly comes down to pretty pictures and sharing beautiful things and sharing exciting things. And those are more the things of what of what people want these days. Um, in my world, Snapchat was never really big. Uh, they've never had great age gating in place for Snapchat. So for alcohol, it just was a non-starter. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with the future of that, especially because a lot of their features have been incorporated into other social platforms. Um, TikTok is growing humongously. I honestly have yet to see a brand use TikTok well. Um, the brand executions I've seen on TikTok have been just very obvious ads. And I think that just doesn't work anymore. Um, I think I think about Reddit. Reddit, you even attempt to promote your brand or product in Reddit and you will be torn down because that's completely the antithesis of what Reddit stands for. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't have like a specific platform per se. I do hope and wish and think that more and more importance is going to be um, assigned to podcasts and people are spending so much more time listening to podcasts. They get to choose which topics they, they hear about and can learn more about. Um, and so I would just love to see more in the digital marketing space, social media marketing, the wine space, and, and really seeing more high quality content and conversations, um, happening there. I think from a, during COVID and quote post COVID world, what's going to be most important for the next couple of years is empathy. It's going to be about, again, showing that human side, 
fostering that human connection, um, being sympathetic and empathetic and, and understanding to kind of the emotional state that everyone's in right now. Um, and then I also think just sociologically, people are focusing inwards for the first time in a long time and they're spending more time with family. They're spending more time reading. They're spending more time at home, getting a little bit back to basics. So, um, you know, figuring out new and innovative ways to be a part of their life that helps kind of support that, that positive lifestyle and, and the time they're spending, that's, that's going to resonate. I, I've been loving the, just the different cooking challenges that have been going around and, and everyone making sourdough bread for the first time ever. You know, what, what would be stopping anyone from, or a winery from, you know, having some fun about home winemaking or being involved in just those activities that are, people are already naturally um, being a part of and just providing value to their lives. Yes, I love that. I think empathy is so important. And I think it's so important for brands to have that moving forward. And it's not sounding tone deaf to what everyone is experiencing and and just being available and not just pushing products, but again, building that connection. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point about, you know, there are different platforms and, and we don't know what's coming next. And things like TikTok are really fun for the us individuals, but from a brand perspective, they're still unsure of how to adapt that. Um, I think one of the great things that Facebook still does is the Facebook groups. And I've definitely seen a trend of our online communities becoming a lot more niche. So like you said, people are finding the podcasts with the topics they want to listen to and finding the specific people that they want to hear their message I think in a way we're almost getting into these smaller communities online versus it being, you know, here's my amazing like following on Instagram. Like it's more about having these smaller group uh, group experiences where we are learning from each other and connecting on a specific topic. So yeah, maybe you are in a, a cooking challenge Facebook group, but then you also um, are on a, like a Slack channel where you're learning about marketing or business with other founders. And so I think it's really interesting that we're starting to see a little bit of of this vast space of digital marketing get really finite and people are able to go find their tribes, if you will. Um, so I, I, that's something that I think is important for brands to think about, specifically if you are trying to build community and it, it's not necessarily just about going live to the world, but how can you have like a core set of people who already love your brand that you can nurture that relationship with more and then they can go out into the world and, and be brand advocates for you. I mean, that's so powerful. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, personally speaking, Facebook groups are one of the main reasons I'm still on Facebook as a person anymore, um, aside from you know businesses and clients, because I can have my plant lovers group and I can have my group about owning chickens and we can talk just about those topic areas and get really helpful and, and have that shared interests um, without it turning into what a lot of the rest of say Facebook is, which is just a cacophony of different noises and opinions and topics. And, and that's part of what's making it so overwhelming is it's coming at you from all angles. There, there are days when I go on Facebook on my individual account, my personal account, just to go look at my groups. And I just don't even want to look at the feed. So yes, that, that sense of community in a way that's uh, giving something or providing something positive to people's lives is, is huge. Um, I've thought a lot about what is, how, 
can brands, how can industries, products, categories um, be involved in those groups, but in a genuine way. And it's not about hawking products, but more about being able to be a part of the community in a way that adds value to those people. Um, so those are those are things that I'm I'm still working on and and trying to figure out kind of effective strategies there. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's definitely opportunity there. Yes, and I, I think also it comes down to not trying to reinvent the wheel or try and do something that's brand new. I mean, I think there's so many tools out there and different platforms to be engaged on. And so it's about picking where your audience is and doing it really well and showing up for them versus trying to be in all these different places and and hoping there's a new magic tool that comes up that just sells your products left and right. But again, I think it's really coming from that place of service and wanting to enhance people's lives. And then that naturally is going to lead to more conversations and people sharing your content versus it just being about sales. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I could talk to you about marketing all day long, (laughs) as we have done in the past. Um, Before I ask my last question, I would love for you to tell listeners where they can connect with you more online. Yeah. So our website is premiercruisesolutions.com. That's P-R-E-M-I-E-R-C-R-U solutions.com. Conveniently, that is also our Facebook page, facebook.com at Primacruise Solutions, as well as our Instagram handle at Primacruise Solutions. Um, You know, we have a lot of our information about our company and what we do online um, and just examples of our work and tells a little bit about um, our background, me and my business partner. Those are kind of the, the core areas. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, yes, I will link to all of that in the show notes as well. So that will all be there available for everyone. And so the last question I want to ask you is just how does being intentional show up in your life or your business? Yeah, you know, I, the further I've gotten in my career, the more um, interested in and dedicated I've been towards living my values in every aspect of my life. And so values for me is not just about what I choose to spend my time doing, who I buy from, what I do in my home, but also it has to bleed through to my to my work and to my business for me. Um, so I'm probably, I mean, I how do I say this? In some ways, I'm probably um, not a typical marketer because I can't lie and I can't make up stuff. I can't spin things to an extent. And that aligns with my values, being able to be genuine and be real and and approaching issues head on, but also, again, just doing it in such a personable way. That's really, really important for me. I worked, um, my, my former employer was Sokol Blosser and they're a certified B Corp, benefit corporation. And I learned so much about what it was like to work for a values-based organization that's focused on the planet, the people, and combining those two things in a really values-driven way to help keep a sustainable business and be profitable. Um, So I'm not a believer that your personal life has to be completely separate from your professional life. In fact, um, it makes your professional life and career a whole lot more fun and enjoyable when when it aligns with your values. So I'm all about not being afraid to pursue only those things that that do align with with your own personal values. That's big for me. Yes, that is a beautiful answer. And I love that. <laughs> and we need a lot more truthful and honest marketers in the world. And yeah. yes, I also believe in that 
kind of triple bottom line of the people, planet, and profit. And I believe that business is really here to add value. And I think when we as employees or entrepreneurs leading our companies, when we can lead from our place of value, I think that naturally kind of falls into the business and then it falls into the customers and you you know, attract people who have similar values or people who are learning more about that experience. And so I think that's such a beautiful answer. And I applaud you for living in your values and, and having that connection, being your whole self, both in your life and in the work that you do. Absolutely. And, and I think something else I've now experienced is that when you as a person and as a business live your values, you not only attract customers and partner businesses who have shared values, but you also attract employees who share your values. And in many ways, it can help you market your business as an employer as well, which is pretty cool to see that just that full circle component. Yes, that is so powerful. And I think that that's just so important. And it really, again, allows other people to be their genuine selves and show up and be authentic and and they can even bring a new perspective into the business as well. So I think that's that's such an important piece. And values, I think, is <laughs> the theme of this podcast is really yeah. leaning into our values both personally, but also as a brand. And from there, we can really create a lot of wonderful dialogue with the people in our lives. Yes, agreed. Well said. <laughs> well, thank you, Vanessa, so much for your time. This was a wonderful conversation and so many juicy nuggets that you put in there. So I thank you so much for joining me. Of course. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to me the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system. 